Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun, too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I got a call in the post office from my agent in London going, mm, they want to see you for a Bond film. Oh my God. And I was like, oh, am I going to be a Bond girl? And she was like, no, you don't fuck anyone and you don't kill anyone, so you're not a Bond girl. <laughs> you just sing a country and western song. I was like, great, I'm in, I'm in. And then you were in GoldenEye too. That's right. Actually, my God, sh- look what I've got next, next to me here. What have you got? A golden oh, pinball it. machine. You're on oh, it. You're on, on it. Wait, it. I'll take Wait, it. Wait, Wait. you bastard. I've seen one of these. I'm on the fucking pinball machine. Wait a minute. Where are you? Oh, there you are. Oh, my God. I made it on the pinball machine. Oh, I'm, I'm underneath you. Okay, Alan, I can't even believe it. I can't believe that you have the and, pinball machine. And also, you know, the other thing about that film is that it's a video game. I didn't know about that until years later. And I, and I had an assistant called Landon at the time. And he, I said, Landon, I'm in a video game. He was like, yeah, I know. If you piss me off, I go home and shoot you in the balls. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, I'm Minnie Driver, and welcome to Mini Questions. I've always loved Bruce Questionnaire. It was originally an 18th century parlor game meant to reveal an individual's true nature. But with so many questions, there wasn't really an opportunity to expand on anything. So I took the format of Proust's Questionnaire and adapted what I think are seven of the most important questions you could ever ask someone. They are, when and where were you happiest? What is the quality you like least about yourself? What relationship, real or fictionalized, defines love for you? What question would you most like answered? What person, place or experience has shaped you the most? What would be your last meal? And can you tell me something in your life that has grown out of a personal disaster? The more people we ask, the more we begin to see what makes us similar 
and what makes us individual. I've gathered a group of really remarkable people who I'm honoured and humbled to have had a chance to engage with. My guest today is Alan Cumming. He is an actor in movies like X-Men and in the TV show The Good Wife. He is an author, he has an OBE, and he is a podcaster. He's also an articulate, powerful voice in and for the LGBTQ community, and he's been my friend for 30 years. We made this short film together called That Sunday in the early 90s. It's worth having a dig and finding it if you can, along with the film Circle of Friends and then Goldeneye. I had a hard time not constantly interrupting and finishing his sentences in this interview, largely because my brain likes to go down the same pathways as Alan's, which is to say, off the main road and deep into glorious woodland. He is a deep and generous soul and has a way of sharing the painful parts of his past with great compassion and great humour. What relationship, real or fictionalised, defines love for you? Well... Is it you and me in Circle of Friends? <laughs> is it? <laughs> ah, what did I call you again? Yeah, ah, you're a... what, what is it you call me? I can remember, hold on, I can see it. Um, Some, I remember I said something about the succulent bird, but that wasn't succ- about you. I was just bird, talking about the chicken it was eating as I was alluding. <laughs> but at the end, I said something awful to you. You called me a something bitch and I can't remember what it is. Yeah, yeah. But uh, back to love. Unconditional love, I think, with Grant Schaefer, my husband upstairs. Not that I've got another one downstairs, but you know what I mean? I, I was going to say, you show me the one in the basement. <laughs> I feel I've reached a point with him after so long where it's, you know, he pisses me off. But I just feel this completely solid, true thing that I just can't imagine we can get over anything. Does that define love for you, that notion of solid? An unconditional love. Unconditional love it right. does, I think. Yeah, because no matter what happens, I'm going to have this love. Right. No matter the circumstances, the vagaries yeah. of the circumstance in life. Exactly. But then actually what I would say is more unconditional love is my relationship with dogs. So I've got Lala and Jerry upstairs and I'm very attached to Lala. I'm attached to them both, but, you know, I think I'm more of a special relationship with Lala. And I had my dog Honey before that. There's a sort of a statue of her over there on a little deck who was my longest adult relationship. I mean, like Grant has now superseded her, but she was the longest relationship I had through thick and thin, through terrible things in my life. That was a true unconditional love. And I talk about her all the time, actually. She's she's sort of very present in our lives. And then she's in the portrait of me at the Scottish National Portrait Gallery. She's referenced. Oh, the one that replaced the Queen. <laughs> yes, it replaced the Queen. <laughs> I love that your portrait replaced the Queen. They brought the Queen down. Like the Queen was like in blanket over her, taking in some back. They put the Queen down and they put, put another, another Queen, queen up. up. Insert your Queen jokes here. They moved me around. The last time I think I was in between Tilda Swinton and Annie Lennox. Thought that's a nice sandwich. Oh my God, that's the best sandwich ever. But wait, but Honey's in that portrait. Well, she's, yes, because she died just before I got painted and the guy was asking me about things. So there's a little jar beside me and it says Honey on it in the picture. Oh my God, it's her ashes. No, no, it's just a jar. I just put her into the picture. <laughs> oh, I thought you meant... No, her ashes are upstairs. I was going to say, was it was her ashes that just said honey? No, it actually was a jar of honey. Yeah, oh. just a jar of honey. But it says honey on it. And then it says yes, 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 because I was really sad about the Scottish independence thing had gone the wrong way. Yeah. What was hilarious was I'm wearing this kilt 
round my neck in the portrait. And it was unveiled at the Scottish National Portrait Gallery in the big, you know, main place to take the Queen down, you know. And it was all posh and everyone was having drinks and there's a film crew because they're filming it for that Sky Portrait Artist of the Year thing. And I say a few words, I said, oh, it's so exciting because this tartan, the kilt I'm wearing, it's the official tartan of the Yes campaign for independence. And everyone, it was all this clinking of glasses <laughs> of, the, of the old unionists in the room. And it was such, such a great thing for me, like, to know that in that painting, which will be there forever, it's not only his little honey reference, but this subversive little message that I managed to get in. But yes, when I realised that she was going to die before me, I remember just thinking, no, you know, honey's in my life. She's my sort of girlfriend. And I just remember when someone sort of said something reference about her dying. And I thought, oh, my God, she's a dog. Yeah, she's dogs die before you. She's going to die. And it was such a weird thing because I so thought of her as like a... A human relationship, how much sort of time I took to think about her and the way she featured in my life and the decisions I had to make because of her. It was very much like having an actual person. I totally understand that. My... Have you, you've got, um, what's his name down on your lick in your feet? Okay, well, Bob, Bob's a difficult soul and I, I close his ears, he's not listening, he's a bit deaf anyway. The true great love of my life was my Labrador, Bubba, who I had for 17 years. Oh, wow. Who died in my arms. And oh. he was the greatest precursor to having a child, particularly having a son. And there's a lot of similarities. Like if anyone wants to have a road test, having a baby boy, get a Labrador. Right. right. They just want to be loved. Rambunctious. They want to eat. They jump around a lot and need exercise. And you need to go to sleep when they do. And that's it. Right. It's the same protocol. I always think people should have a dog first when they're thinking about kids. Totally. Remember Rachel Weiss, we were chatting, she said to Grant, do you have children? And he went, well, we have two dogs and blah, blah. And they had a conversation about dogs for a bit. And then he said to her, what about you? And Rachel went, well, I have a human child. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, bless you for entertaining these two old queers who are just talking about their dogs. And you have to remind us that your child is a human. It was very, very <laughs> respectful to, to qualify it that it was a human child so as to not denigrate your fur babies. Yeah. Oh, I hate fur babies, though. I, I hate that one. I hate it. It's like, it's hashtag blessed. Ugh, Lives in the yes. same space. It's vile. And also, like, when uh, Honey died and people said, oh, they'll meet them at the, the Rainbow, Rainbow Bridge. Bridge. I was like, no, they fucking won't. Yeah, no. I want to dynamite that shit. I hate that Rainbow hate Bridge. It. Me too. Oh. It's no Rainbow Bridge. I do sometimes see Bubba when I'm in a soul cycle class, though. Like, he's running beside me on my stationary bike. It's really weird. Wow. <laughs> When you're in a sort of a fever of sweat and soul cycle, it sort of feels like slightly cultish. It's totally cultish. It's amazing. And I can imagine you getting into a reverie. It's like it's like being in a really sweaty cult. Yeah. With like a motivational speaker at the helm of this ship. Yeah. yeah. And I think you do go into a bit of a trance and yeah. then you start seeing your dead dog. <laughs> The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. 
I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins, and this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s. She looked like a million bucks. With zero qualifications. She had a Harvard plaque. Tricks her way past a wall of lawyers and agents. She's got all of these Maseratis and Bentleys all in the driveway. Is it like a mansion? Yes, it's a mansion. That this queen of the con uses to scam some of the biggest names in professional sports out of untold fortunes. About six million. Approximately eleven million dollars. Nearly ten million dollars was all gone. Employing whatever means necessary to bleed her victims dry. She would probably have sex with one of her clients. Hide your money in your old rich man, because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, season five, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. But We Loved is a podcast about queer history. I'm Jordan Gonsalves, your host. Growing up, I thought being gay was the worst thing I could ever be. The gay history I learned was tragic. Jerry had died of AIDS, and it's like, what is happening? It was survival. That's why it's called survival sex. But as I interviewed queer elders, I realized there was another history that I had never been taught. A history of courage and perseverance. I wanted to take control of my story and not be ashamed of it. And it was a history full of love. The joy we found in saying husband again and again and again was incredible. And while learning this new queer history from my elders, I realized they had so much wisdom to pass down. The key is to understanding yourself, learning to love and embrace yourself. For My Heart Podcasts, I'm Jordan Gonsalves, and this is But We Loved. Listen to But We Loved on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is my favorite question. Yes. What would be your last meal? I would have stovies. Stovies is an old Scottish thing. I guess it's because it's on the stove. It's like supposed to be for when you're drinking, you leave it there and you go and you have a little some stovies. It's potatoes and onions. Meat. I do a vegan version. It's delicious. It's just like the most carby, starchy thing. So delicious. I put garlic and other things in it and soy sauce and blah, blah, blah. See, I'm, I really think I'm a peasant. I really, it's so interesting. I discovered recently I'm part Portuguese. I did that thing you send off. I'm 6% Portuguese. Oh, that's quite a lot. 
Is it? I had no idea. I'm a little bit sort of German. There was a few percentages there, but you know, I'm mostly Scottish and north of England. I'm literally an Anglo-Saxon. Like I basically was either one of the people that the Vikings came and found who already lived here. <laughs> a bit of picked. A bit of picked. I, I have nothing exotic in me at all, unless I'm, you know, drinking tequila. That's the most exotic I get, something interesting in me. <laughs> How funny. I love that. I was a little more saucy than I thought, but mostly, you know, white Scottish boy. But the thing was, I'm very much a peasant. I really feel very peasanty. And I know that I am from sort of peasant stock and my father's side of the family. Me too. Are you? Utter, complete, 100% peasants, some of who could play musical instruments. And so we're musical peasants. <laughs> musical peasants. I love that. That's a good band. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, go on. So you're a peasant. So what does that mean you like eating? So my dad's family all worked and lived on Cawdor Estate for generations, like in, on the farms or in the forestry. My dad was a forester. And then what was hilarious is that if you go to Cawdor Castle, you look up in, on the wall, there is a portrait of me. No. Seriously, it looks like me in a period film. It's insane. And when it was open to the public in about the 90s or something or whatever, people sent me this postcard. This thing. I said, what the hell? And then I thought, wait a minute. <laughs> Maybe there was some dabbling below stair. Because I mean, no, I, of course there I was. look so much like that man who was like the first Earl of Cawdor or something. So actually, you think that you are an aristocrat. I'm of peasant stock, but there was dabbling below stairs. And if I could just get one of the like Cawdor family's DNA chunk of their hair yeah. and do it, I would be able to prove. But I, I don't think I want to do that. Yeah. We need to go to a few more parties and like steal some whiskey glasses. Wouldn't that be hilarious? I'm sorry. <laughs> Duchess. <laughs> there was always that, that thing about, remember, they were trying to get Prince Harry's DNA. People were trying yes. to steal bits of Prince Harry's hair. I felt thing. It was happening in a nightclub. I think my brother was working the door and some, yeah, somebody was trying to sort of snip Harry's hair. Can you imagine? God, Paul Love, no wonder he's gone to California. I mean, seriously, man. Quick, get back to the food. Yeah, so the food, because of my peasant thing, I love food that is one bowl of the same thing. Like, you know, if you have too many different options, if you've got like, you know, all lots of vegetables and it's too overwhelming for me. I don't like it. I like to mush them all together and I like to eat things with a spoon. It's that I love more than anything, the feeling of having the same taste again and again and eating it with a spoon. That's what I would do. I suppose it's very like, like baby food. It's probably going back to this, like the seven ages of man. But that's what my last meal would be. Stovies. It's very safe and it, it feels very primal that, and it, also yes. understandable. Something yeah. that is in one bowl. It's comforting. It, it's yeah. comforting. <sighs> Do you know what? I mean, I get confused in posh restaurants sometimes. I mean, I've been undone by like a foam on top oh, of a something. God. I, I, God save me from foam. It, look, foam, it looks like foam. it looks like fish spit. I can't do it. I agree with you. I like a bowl. And those have become fashionable now. You know, they're on a menu, like a bowl. Would yes. you like the, the ancient grain bowl? Yes, that's right. There's the Buddha bowls and things. Do those make you happy? Yeah, I like those. And like, I think I'm more in the Asian thing as well. Like, you know, I loved, I made a film in Australia and they had congee for breakfast, which is like porridge. And then you put all these things in it. I love, that's my dream. Oh God, that is delicious. I like poke bowls in a, like in, in Hawaii. A poke bowl, yes, yes. I lived there for a while and I did ate you? a lot of... What did you, why were you in Hawaii? Oh, I left Hollywood. I left Hollywood. I hated it and nobody noticed I'd left because I had all like, I had like two films come out the year that I went and lived in Hawaii. Um, it was quite funny. I went there just to write music and to surf and to live on the beach and hang out. Gosh. 
I made a film there, that Tempest film that Julie Taymor directed. Oh my God, that's right. Helen you did Mirren that. was uh, was Prospero, Prospera, and we were. It was just so hilarious, like being in the hot tub with like. Chris Cooper and uh, David Strathairn and Tom Conti and Russell Brand and, you know, practising our lines for the next day in the hot tub of the Four Seasons in, in uh, that funny little island camera. It was quite a long time. I went back and forward a bit. Such a hoot, though. Love. OK, what question would you most like answered? Ugh, I mean, I think it would have to be what was wrong with my father? What was the true mental diagnosis of him? You know, I think I think maybe 10 years ago, I'd have said, why did my father not love me? And I've got over that one. You know, as I found out all this evidence about him, you know, I came to the conclusion, not just like, oh, he's insane and awful, but he just was mentally ill. And I would love to get proper diagnosis. And I never will, because obviously I can't examine him or have anyone examine him but that to me is something I would really love to have answered just what it actually was that made him behave the way he did. Do you think that if a person can give something a name it can be understood better? Does it stay nebulous and therefore threatening if you can't contain it with the word? I think it's just a thing of it takes it outside of your experience it makes it something that exists in the world that wasn't just about you do you know so so perhaps that is what you're saying and I've talked to psychiatrists about this you know I have actually <laughs> spent quite a lot of time trying to diagnose my father from beyond the grave personality disorders that he clearly had but there's more and I just I don't know quite why and when you know and what kicked it in and because something that was such a big part of my life that is kind of a mystery and I've definitely made peace of that and I understand truly that he was mentally ill and I've made it easier to to come to terms with and to forgive and to sort of not, not so much to forgive that was easy but to sort of place what happened to me in a context that I can get myself out of it. But obviously, it's, I'm never going to have a proper answer. Mm. So that's, that's, I, that would be the thing I would like the answer to. Yeah. I'm sorry you won't have the answer to that question. I hope that the exploration or the interrogation of what it might be, I hope that there were enough people that said the same thing that have given you a good idea of what it might have been. Definitely. There's, you know, narcissistic disorders, psychotic personalities. There's, there's all these things. But, uh, you know, you can't really do that just on one person's memory. You have to get in a bit deeper. So it's so interesting to me. I always, I'm really fascinated by the various sort of little psychological quirks we all have. I agree. And I think that's maybe because, you know, from such an early age, I was so aware of it. I was so aware of them. I, I was aware that my dad was, was not right. Right. From, and not right as in wrong, as well as being not right psychologically. I had a very good sort of, balance between my mum and my dad so I knew they both couldn't be right and also I you know I hate to say it but I think that's also why I'm quite a good actor is that I can understand get into sort of people's psychological quirks because I'm aware of the difference I you know I see it it's quite a lot so uh, yeah I was used to looking for it The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. 
a new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins, and this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for the eligible bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. But We Loved is a podcast about queer history. I'm Jordan Gonsalves, your host. Growing up, I thought being gay was the worst thing I could ever be. The gay history I learned was tragic. Jerry had died of AIDS, and it's like, what is happening? It was survival. That's why it's called survival sex. But as I interviewed queer elders, I realized there was another history that I had never been taught. A history of courage and perseverance. I wanted to take control of my story and not be ashamed of it. And it was a history full of love. The joy we found in saying husband again and again and again was incredible. And while learning this new queer history from my elders, I realized they had so much wisdom to pass down. The key is to understanding yourself, learning to love and embrace yourself. For My Heart Podcasts, I'm Jordan Gonsalves, and this is But We Loved. Listen to But We Loved on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What person, place, or experience most altered your life? Again, I'm going to say my father. I know I keep sort of bringing it back there, but... No, 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 it's good because you wrote a book about your experiences with your father and someone very early on said to me when I'd not drawing a comparison between an abusive childhood and heartbreak, but I was suffering terribly from a heartbreak and I wrote a record 
And a musician that I love said, oh, yeah, you know, wherever possible, you should profit off your pain. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Whatever that well is of of your father, that he that he would be the question that you would want answered, that it's the person who altered or affected your life so yeah. much. They are connected, those questions for you, so. Yeah, exactly. And also it's sort of, you know, in positive ways as well. I mean, like what's really been fascinating is right after we made Circle of Friends, actually, I had this nervous breakdown. I remember. It was basically because I realised, oh, I'm this person, I'm Alan, ah, ha, ha, happy Alan. Not not terribly different from how I am now. I mean, into this in, on the surface, but I was a construct of something my father had done that I'd not remembered. Hmm. So I thought oh, I've become this person by ignoring, you know, suppressing this whole side of these things that happened to me. I don't want to be this person anymore. I want to embrace this terrible thing that's happened to me to become the person I'm supposed to be. So that was a huge thing that he influenced me. That completely changed my life, and then. When he told me I wasn't his son, <laughs> that was pretty huge. And and then the ability to go back and talk to him and tell him I was indeed his son after I got the DNA test and everything. You know, things like that are monumental moments that really change you in terms of like, I stood up to the scariest possible monster I could stand up to. I'm, I'm now fearless. And then writing about it and realizing that actually how important it is and how many people's lives I changed by telling my story and helped them to be able to deal with things in their life. I had no idea that would happen. That was such a shocker to me. And then also to realize that I've, by doing that, I have brought my father back into my life in a way that he never was before. So I didn't push him away like I thought. I actually brought him in. But as you say, it's on my terms. Mm. So it's been a series of things like that has really truly primarily changed me. And all of them actually are positive things. I mean, the actual stuff before, <laughs> you know, the childhood was awful. But actually, as an adult, the huge sort of cataclysmic things that happened were um, ultimately very, very positive things for me because it was about me becoming my true authentic self and not a construct of something that he had made me. Oh, Danny, you're so articulate. Oh, bless you. I mean, I'm so sorry those things happened to you, but it sort of feeds into the last question that I have. It's very revealing. In your life, can you tell me about something that has grown out of a personal disaster? <laughs> well, yes, as <laughs> me. Just <laughs> <laughs> my entire body. Oh, and, uh, me. Yeah. I grew out of a personal I grew out of a personal disaster. Yeah, I mean, I think I would say several relationships that are broken up, like a marriage, a couple of marriages, you know, sort of thing that were, when I was in them, would definitely be described as personal disasters when they were breaking up and just the sort of the sort of ugliness of all that. But actually, you know, getting older and looking back on things and seeing the patterns, you notice the patterns of behavior of yours as well as other people's, that gives you an opportunity to make a decision about are you going to behave differently now in this when this happens or you know are you going to make the same mistake or or maybe this is a good pattern to repeat that to me is really fascinating but there's definitely a couple of relationships that I've had that ended with a personal disaster and beautiful things came out of it like I I think about talking of circle friends and everything like Saffron and I's relationship is such a beautiful strong loving friendship I really feel that I you know and she knows this too that we would be there for each other till we die you know, we were together as a couple for a couple of years and that didn't work out. It worked out for a while, but then it didn't. And actually something so much better has come out of it. So there's a couple of people in my life that I feel like that about. It's kind of funny that I quite a lot of my very close friends have been my lovers. Really? Yeah, quite a lot. 
yeah, too many actually, I suppose, when you think about it. But I mean, not in the same way, like with Saf, that was like a, we were in a proper relationship together. But, you know, there's several of my friends, more in the gay world, several of my male friends, I've had sex with them at some point in the past, you know, first, and then we stayed friends. And I think that's really good. I think it's really good. I think it's lovely. I think it's lovely. I think it's quite unusual. I can count on one hand. The people that have been lovers that are friends. Yeah, it's tricky. Mm. It's tricky. I think it's, I think it is easier in a same sex relationship, actually. Do you? Why? Yeah, because I think sex is easier in general, actually, in a same-sex relationship. Do you? Yes, because you understand the person. What, like ergonomically or spiritually? <laughs> uh, spiritually. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, well, so, sort of both. Because you are the same uh, gender as that person, you automatically understand more things about how that person works. Thinks and feels. Yeah, Thinks and feels. And also, I think, there and therefore you can be more honest with that person. There's not such a barrier of a gender. And also, you know, men and women are fed so much shit that makes it more difficult for them to communicate. That is I, so true. You know, that it's is just so true. We ridiculous. Are, it's like we are raised on a completely and utterly different social, psychic and mental food. Yeah. Yeah. And, and impossible to keep up standards. And so anyway, I think it's easier to be honest with the person of your own sex. And it's easier to move on from sex with a person of your own sex as well. I do. I mean, that's well, look at lesbians. It's like a joke, but when you see a, a group of friends who are lesbians, they've all slept with each other at some point yeah. and they're all great friends and they're all godmothers to their children. I think it's, it's that's a case in point that you can move on from and still keep a, a loving thing. Whereas with men and women, it's over and that's it. Many years later, you can come back as a sort of thing. But I, I don't think there's the same sort of elision into great friendship that that can happen in a same-sex relationship sadly sadly oh god i could talk to you for like 99 hours <laughs> i'm gonna have to come as soon as we're all allowed i'm gonna come and find you in your remote location i'd love you to come dog. here oh my god i will come i'll bring i'll come i'll come and play some music if you got a piano i'll bring my guitar yeah oh we've got it all Got it all. We've, We've got, got it all, mate. We've got it all. This has been fun. Thanks, Minnie. I've really enjoyed this. I'm really fascinated and so grateful you've just shared your heart and your life so generously. Thank you, darling. Uh, my pleasure. Very much. All right. Lots of love to you. In closing, I would like to make you aware of some projects that Alan has coming up. I think my particular favourite is a six-part podcast series for Audible about a sperm bank heist that he produced and directed called Hot White Heist, starring Saturday Night Live's Bowen Yang, along with an ensemble of amazing people, including Cynthia Nixon, Abby Jacobson, Jane Lynch and Margaret Cho. He also has a show for Apple TV coming in July called Schmigadoon. And another show for HBO Max, also coming in July, called The Prince. He is the busiest man in show business, quite rightly. Mini Questions is hosted and written by me, Mini Driver. Supervising producer, Aaron Kaufman. Producer, Morgan Lavoie. Research assistant, Marissa Brown. Original music, Sorry Baby, by Mini Driver. Additional music by Aaron Kaufman. Executive produced by me and Mangesh Hatikador. Special thanks to Jim Nicolay, Will Pearson, Addison O'Day, Lisa Castella and Anique Oppenheim at WKPR, Dela Pescador, Kate Driver and Jason Weinberg, 
and for constantly solicited tech support, Henry Driver. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's Reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.